This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX is clipped. Now streaming only on Hulu. What is going on, guys? This is Brett. This is Pop Culture Crisis. I am here once again with my host. What's your name, young lady? Miracle Sam. Nice to meet you. Again, nice to meet you. Not nice to meet me. Nice to meet to everyone else that's watching. Yeah, this is our weird ongoing joke. I like it. Mm-hmm. I like it. It works. Yeah, and I'm so happy because I am so excited for this guest. We we actually well that you spoiled my uh, my move there. We have a guest today. I got uh, a little bit too excited. What's your name, sir? Uh, Chris Carr, the uh, executive editor at TimCast.com. That was going to be my next question. I was going to say, what do you do here for the company? So you as uh, little as possible. Is, <laughs> you got a family at home. You got you got you got a wife and kids. You got you got stuff to do. You got to get the articles. He done, actually has a life, unlike mm. both of us. Exactly. Like that's right. Yeah. Well, what was it? Uh, you just told me. You said uh, that we're just uh, borrowing the studio. Like, yeah. We, we just <laughs> we just sneak in here at night. Yeah. Somebody in the comments said, "Who are these wannabes? They just borrowed Tim's studio." That's exactly what happened. We we don't <laughs> even, we we don't even work here. We just sneak in and, and take this place. Yeah, we kidnap Chris's um, Chris's. I mean yep. Tim's brother Chris. Oh yeah, we have a producer. <laughs> Hello everyone, I'm Chris. He uh, he's the one who snuck us in yeah. to the studio to do this podcast. Through, I'm uh, through the trap door on the floor. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, also there's a door you can't see it, but there's a door behind Chris that uh, that they do that they're doing. It leads to on. nowhere. It does. So that is perfect because we are we are wannabes in the yeah. studio uh, talking about stuff that's uh, different than politics, which mm-hmm. I think is a, a refreshing uh, change of pace. And we got a shout out on Timcast IRL three times within the podcast last night. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Okay. Uh, I, I did notice that. That's the only reason I'm here. Yeah. yeah. He's like, uh, yeah. gonna get uh, gonna get mine because you asked and yeah. asked and yeah. asked, and I said no. Oh yeah. Times. Oh yeah. We definitely and then asked once, him once once it came from the priest's mouth. I was just like, oh, okay, so they're they're legitimate. It's, I can do this. It's you were, okay. You were waiting for the the sign of legitimacy to make it okay. Exactly. We yeah. actually <laughs> exist now on your radar. That's perfect. Yeah. That's perfect. Well, that's how we'll get guests. We just have to we just have to get our voices like uh, sent <laughs> out there by our boss. I know. Just tell Tim say um, pop culture crisis like over three times and see what happens. <laughs> You say it three times and I yeah. will appear. It will work. <laughs> it will appear. It will work. It will work. So we'll say it on the vlogs too on Cast Castle. Well, cross branding. Mm-hmm. What's that called? Synergy. Corporate mm-hmm. synergy. That's a big thing, right? Got to <laughs> cross brand promotion. Let's get need. Shane to say it too. We can. We can do that. On just have it worked into an episode of Inverted World. Yeah. That's another podcast uh, that does another one that films up here in mm-hmm. the in the borrowed studio. Uh, that we are all um, maintaining with uh, without our boss knowing. He, wouldn't that be funny? He just doesn't know this is even happening. It's ending up on the website. He's like, "What the hell is what the hell is pop culture crisis?" I have no idea. He's, he just found it last night. He's like, "Oh, this is kind of good." I think we might need to script that for the vlog. <laughs> Or we can just cut a clip and put it in the vlog, act like we we planned it. I like the idea of Tim just opening up his own website one day, and he's just like, huh. I mean, it's not as good as the stuff we do, but 
there's potential here. Mm-hmm. I love it so much. I really need to see that. Like, I want to script it, and then we need to film it, and then pass it off like an actual. It would be so. funny if he's like, I didn't know they worked here. <laughs> like, I think that guy used to film for me, but I'm not 110% sure, and that looks like the girl who, who does the emails, but I can't tell. She used to sit in the front. Now she doesn't sit there. I don't see her in the front of the, of the office anymore. Anyway, yeah. I thought they were both gone. <laughs> yeah. I thought they quit. Oh, man. Uh, we have to work uh, on that. We have to work on that. That's pretty good. Okay. So I, we've got a bunch of articles here to talk about today. One of the cool mm. things about like the, the news day for this stuff is that it doesn't have the same inherent like seriousness in, in all its... Some of them do, some of them don't, mm-hmm. but there can be a lot of things that are uh, ripe for nuance and ripe for like you read into the article and you try to find out what, to, what it is that's important about it because the headline is always the part that they harp on the most. You know, you read the headline and it's something and then you might find out that the article is something separate entirely. That's a staple of, you know, of journalism, mm-hmm. especially, you know, when they're churning out articles. And there's uh, some comments on this one right here that we have. This is an article uh, from, the, it's from People Magazine and it was about Drake. And uh, when I was looking for stuff today, uh, the article itself referenced an incident that happened at the Grammys last year, but then other people are listing in the comment section, not related to the article, have other theories, which I actually really, really like. So this article is from People Magazine, well, from People Online, and it says, Drake withdraws his two 2022 Grammy Award nominations after critiquing the Recording Academy last year. So that's what I initially thought mm-hmm. they were talking about, and we'll, we'll get into it in here. Uh, and this is uh, from Tomas Meyer and Sarah Michaud. Uh, so it says right here, Drake's music won't be considered for a Grammy next month. Drake, 35, and his management have withdrawn his Grammy Award nominations for the cer- album Certified Lover Boy, which was up for Best Rap Album and Way Too Sexy, which was nominated for Best Rap Performance, People Magazine can confirm. The Recording Academy has honored his ask, uh, has honored his ask Variety was first to report. Without Drake's work nominated... Uh, there are four nominations in each category. Without Way Too Sexy, those uh, those up for Best Performance are Baby Keem and Kendrick Lamar for Family Ties, Cardi B for Up, J. Cole for uh, and 21 Savage, and Moray for My Life, and Megan Thee Stallion with, <laughs> I'm not going to pronounce that one, Thought S. <laughs> we're not we're, we're family friendly here. We try we to be, are, we try to be family friendly. But fun fact about thought, um, I want to as a joke name. I was like, if I had a daughter, I would name her Thought Patrol. Of course you would. <laughs> patrol? <laughs> yeah. Why? Because she's patrolling them. What the? <laughs> Thought that would be her name. It was a joke name. But um, but when I said that to my friends, they're like, you know what? This revoke her ch- um, having a child card. Yeah. Well, or at least the name privileges. The boyfriend's going to have to pick the name. You don't get the name. Well, I was just joking about it. I don't want to name a sure. girl that. Well, like another joke name that I wanted to name a baby girl was Parrot. Because she'd be mocking me. Oh my god! <laughs> you can you can do this with animals, you know. I, I know. Just, just you get a dog, ha- get a cat, you know. You don't have to have a kid to give it a ridiculous name. <laughs> no, I know. At least I'm not naming my kid Pikachu like people in Japan. Far less likely that a ridiculous name will ruin a pet's life than ruin a human being's life. Just I, saying. I know, I know, but you know these are joke names. I oh, wouldn't yes. name a real child that. Sure, sure. It's okay. I'll name one of them Brady. That's awful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to continue reading. <laughs> so in the album category, the nominees were J. Cole's The Offseason, uh, Nas King's Disease, uh, Disease 2, Tyler the Creator's Call Me If You Get Lost, and Kanye West's Donda. There, there was a long debate here mm-hmm. about uh, in this house about Kanye West versus uh, um, 
versus Drake this mm-hmm. year uh, with Shane Cashman, uh, who is actually one of the first guests we had on the show here. Mm-hmm. Very big fan. Him and him and uh, um, who Dane. else? Dane. 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 Dane is our. We literally call them Donda boys. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm part of the Donda boys, okay. by the way. There you go. Yeah. So you would have so, had a strong yeah. opinion on this either way. Hey. Of course. That you would have wanted Kanye West to win Best but Album. Hey, of course. But hey, you know who was on my side for Drake? It was Nick and then one of um, Alex Jones' employees. So, ha. Well, as as long as one of Alex Jones' employees said so, I guess that's fine. But I I was with you. I I was Donda all the way. My personal personal taste. The only reason why I said I didn't really like Donda that much because I thought it was too preachy. That was the whole argument. It's like. He's re- he's kind of religious now, Kanye West. So uh, preachiness comes with the territory. Mm-hmm. On that, it's uh, I love that album. Mm-hmm. I, I was a huge fan of that album. So definitely. Where's uh, Nick when I need him? I know, right? <laughs> it was like we need to call him up here, pause the show, and have him come up and be like, come join our pirate podcast at this location we're not supposed to be, <laughs> and give us your opinion on why Certified Lover Boy was better than Donda. And he's like. Certified? What? We didn't even know that was the name of the album. He's like, I'm working right now. Don't do this. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, the article continues. The rapper's decision comes a year after he criticized the award shows for not nominating The Weeknd for any awards after the high level of success of his album After Hours and its hit single Blinding Lights. Uh, At the time, the rap star said, quote, I think we should stop allowing ourselves to be shocked every year by the disconnect between impactful music and these awards and just accept that once... Uh, that what once was the highest form of recognition may no longer matter to artists, to the artists that exist now and the ones that come after. So he's kind of saying that the reward show, that the award shows, reward, that the award shows are kind of useless now, which a lot of people that we know have been saying for a very long time. Drake said that. That, That's a Drake quote. Yeah, that was a Drake quote. Amen, man. He's saying it in the context of like another mainstream artist who didn't get the recognition he thought he deserved, right? But we have been saying this about movies. I mean, every year, what movies get nominated is inevitably going to cause arguments with people as people mm-hmm. just think, you know, they're out of touch. They always, you know, they literally have what's called award show season for movies, meaning that they always release them right around the same time because they know they're perfect and fresh in people's minds so that they can be nominated for awards. Mm-hmm. So it's man- emotionally manipulative and it's all just rich, you know, vapid celebrities patting themselves on the back about their great work. Uh, which you know the average everyday average everyday person is just like what I I don't care anymore. Mm-hmm. Like to me, celebrity worship, given what we're doing here, to me it's weird. Like the people that love like hearing about celebrities, like personally, not yeah. not news, but like are really into like their relationships with other celebrities, mm-hmm. like the Kim Kardashians. Yeah, uh, the Kim Kardashians. The I Kim love Kardashians. <laughs> they you don't. Saw, that was pretty boomer. I know. <laughs> like the, the Facebook. I love the Kim Kardashians. Like something my dad would say. <laughs> I know, but like imagine that. Like the Kardashians were like such the biggest things, but now nobody cares, and they're trying to bring them up. Like with Chloe Kardashian and I'm like nobody really cares about no, no, Chloe. I care. I care. <laughs> Their show is tremendous. What about what really? happened to Courtney? Yeah. What happened to Courtney? I don't Where, care. I, you know, I drop in and out, but every episode yeah. that I watch, I it's so great I almost levitate out of my seat. That's true. Um, I literally can't tell if you're joking right now or not. He I, has a deadpan I, face. Yeah, I know. That's that's a fair comment, but no, I I genuinely jo- all joking aside, I enjoy watching every episode of the Kardashians that I get to watch. Why? 
it's I don't know. I I, I think I've avoided analysis TV. like analyzing why I feel that way. I suppose that would be like like I watch a lot of like older TV shows that I feel don't need to be like they're they're good enough to watch episodes with something on in the back as something on in the background, but they're not ripe for high uh, high intellect uh, analysis, right? Well, it's it's kind of the opposite, unfortunately, with Keeping Up with Kardashians, <laughs> because because it's one of those things like the show is on. I'm just like, eh, who cares? Yeah. And then five minutes later, I'm just like, what did Scott say? What? <gasps> you know, <laughs> I don't I don't know if it's the way that they film it. I don't oh, know yeah, if oh, it's just they're yeah. attractive. That, that's I an mean, art. It's an art style. You think to, they're to attractive? Film. Yes, of course they are. Objectively so. Oh, see how he said that with like authorities. Yeah. Like you don't get to be the cool. You don't get to be like like edgy and be like they're not attractive well i think mm. kendall's really attractive i think she's mm. really attractive and i'm happy that she didn't go the approach to, like how the rest of them did where they touched up on a couple of things mm, she's sure. somewhat i can't believe only... we're talking about the kardashians right now i'm oh, sorry bad. i didn't mean to derail <laughs> See, us i had another point <laughs> yeah um i kind of love it but mm-hmm. i'm kind of like oh my but god continue, Chris. well we were talking about award shows mm-hmm. and you know they, they are irrelevant and i think they've been irrelevant for a while um, the Grammys, it looks like they started in uh, 1959. I don't mm-hmm. know. You can fact check me on that. Uh, I think maybe the first major award show was the Academy Awards in 1929. It, it, based on what I understand about it, the Academy Awards were invented because in the, in the late teens and early 20s, Hollywood had its reputation for being, you know, these just like basically an orgy of libations and like bad behavior and so what all it's this like stuff. now just right. without the good PR so exactly so mm-hmm. that's why the Academy Awards came around in 1929 is because they wanted to prove mm-hmm. to the world that this is a very upstanding reasonable people they're not they're not out there you know uh, mm-hmm. doing all these things that the rags were saying that they were so th- this whole system was created to essentially make these people look like something that they're not. Yeah, that's you know? true. And now, at this point, I mean, we're we're through the looking glass. We're in the internet era, mm-hmm. so who needs that kind of fakery? Yeah. Like, it's, yeah. you see right through it, and it's You see right and, yeah. through it. And to most mm-hmm. people who are, if your average everyday person sees it, and it just looks like excess, and it's them patting themselves on the back about their great work, and nobody actually wants to hear, you know, the, to me, when I hear celebrities talk, like when I hear virtue signaling from celebrities, I turn it off almost immediately. Mm-hmm. And that's what all, all these award shows have kind of spiraled into. You're dreading every award because you have to hear the person get up and give their uh, self, uh, self-important self speech about whatever their cause is, whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. And the average everyday person who goes and works nine to five, comes home and is just looking to be entertained, it's just like... I do not need you lecturing me. That's true. And that's what these award shows have mm-hmm. turned into. What he's talking about here is almost less insulting because he's talking about another person in his industry, mm-hmm. right? So I almost feel like him going to bat for somebody on his same level of success is different than him talking about causes he probably doesn't actually care about and just wants brownie points for. Well, do you think it's because also they made fun of him when he came out with the song, um, song Started From The Bottom? And he started from the middle. He started from the middle <laughs> and like then a, became he, even higher. He was higher. on Degrassi, and they're like, uh, "It's pronounced Degrassi." I, I don't. Know. I thought it was pronounced. It sounds like the same thing. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so he st- he didn't start from the bottom. He started from like the upper middle class. Yeah. Well, mm. I thought he was that on the Mickey bother. Mouse um, no. clubhouse thing. That's mm-hmm. uh, he. Yeah, he. Might, I mean, a lot of those actors from that mm-hmm. generation. If mm-hmm. he's you know if he started that what long ago, he's a packaged program. You That's know? true. And uh-huh. also, um, Chris. Yeah, you were right. I just fact checked you. It, the first reward was in 1929, mm-hmm. but the first broadcast by radio was in 1930s, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the oldest one was the Academy Awards. Mm-hmm. 
The, wow. And the reason I brought this article up, because we're not even going to get to the bottom of it, mm-hmm. uh, that's not the theory a lot of people are promoting online. A lot of people are saying it has more to do with Astroworld and the fact that he's named in the lawsuits uh, for what happened you know, during the, the rush from the stage and everything that's going on with Travis Scott. Mm-hmm. So they think that he's just looking to avoid the, the promotion right now, and he, maybe he sees it as a bad look either in business sense, meaning that he shouldn't be looking to get patted on the back as he's a co-defendant on a lawsuit for $2 billion. Uh, So that could be why as well as his team just doesn't see it as a a good move to be in the spotlight right now for self, you know, for congratulatory reasons. Mm -hmm. Interesting. He's that selfless. He's that aware. I, well, I don't know if it's selfless. I think it's good business. Mm. Uh, If, if it, if it helps him look less, uh, you know, less tone deaf, then it's not selfless. It's good business on his own part. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I, I sense a, kind of selflessness when he's like sticking up for the weekend yes you know that the previous year, which is which is interesting you know i mean um i probably wouldn't have anticipated that kind of move from a rapper yeah, much less true. Drake. but also like on this article here they're talking about that that incident was a year ago now so mm-hmm. they already had submitted because to be a, a nominated you have to submit your work so they did submit and then they withdrew so they made the initial conscious effort to submit the album and that song for consideration, and then it's nominated, and then he withdraws later. What's changed since then? So we've got two different uh, entities essentially trying to create a, a narrative yep. out of this announcement. And you've got mm-hmm. the, the people making comments, and then you've also got Pe- uh, People Magazine. Yep. Yeah. But we, we haven't heard an official announcement as to why he... Yeah, it doesn't look okay. why. So, right. But he almost gets better publicity by withdrawing than he does just by being nominated. He's already mm-hmm. won uh, Grammys in the past. If he wins, it's just another Grammy. But this article looks fantastic. I mean, we're talking about it. So yeah. technically, yeah. He, it's done its job. Yep. Basically, it's just another paperweight for him yep. if he wins. So it doesn't really matter. But also, why do we care about this? Like, as you said, mm. like nobody cares about reward shows anymore. After they took away Victoria's Secret, I gave up. Yes, that is that was very, <laughs> that was tragic. I know. I'm that, still upset about it. That, and Miss Universe. That's the decline of Western civilization, mm-hmm. right there, my friend. Miss Universe and Miss America. Now all, they're all gone. What are we going to do without them? I don't know. I don't know. I, I think the Astro World story makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just seems like good PR. Maybe it so. could be, but mm, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, I, d- I doubt they ever like make like an actual announcement as to why he did it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Uh, I've got the me and you talked about Scream like last week, right? Um, no, that wasn't me. You asked me okay. earlier, about but we that. but we have talked about it in yeah. the past because we saw this announcement. This is uh, there is a new Scream movie coming out, which I am for one excited about as somebody who's not like a huge horror movie dude, right? Same. Uh, grew up with slasher movies, part of my childhood. That's to be expected. But this article kind of teases something that's been a theme in these movies for like a very long time. Or mm-hmm. not a theme, I'm sorry. A theory in these movies for yeah. a very long time since the second movie. Uh, and it says, Scream's 2022 posters are teasing the perfect ghost face twist. And this is an article from Screen Rant. And it says, the characters' posters from Scream 2022, that is hard to say, are teasing the perfect ghost face twist that could successfully revitalize the slasher series. The late Wes Craven directed the first four Scream films with each installment containing a killer twist that ensures the heroes can never fully trust anyone around them. Scream 2022 sees the return of beloved legacy characters, but the posters imply that the killer's identity could be incredibly close to home. So basically what it is is they took pictures of like the three main characters, meaning Nev Campbell, as Sidney Prescott, uh, David Arquette as Dewey, 
and then Gail, uh, Gail, and Courtney Cox's Gail, and they are all holding one of the masks. Yeah. Uh, the one of the theories since the first time these movies came out was that eventually one of those main characters would end up being one of the bad guys. Uh, would end up being playing Ghostface and being a killer in one of the movies. And the fact that these three have survived four iterations of one horror film series is kind of unheard of mm -hmm. in that genre. So it's interesting that they're, because they could make any type of promotion they want. You know, all of this stuff is very calculated. So an ad like this does scream to me that that could be the way they're going for the fifth one. Uh, I know that in the fourth one, Sydney was supposed to die, and they retcon or not retcon, but they changed it at the very last minute. They were too afraid to pull the trigger on it. So, and with Wes Craven gone now, they might be kind of he might be more hesitant to make that change to to do that to do that uh, that theory. Right? Mm -hmm. It's his baby. He doesn't want to be influenced by what media says or what th fans are thinking about his property, so he goes a different way. I, for one, actually thought the fourth screen, which came out in 2011, was fairly prophetic about how addictive social media is and how people... I don't know if you've ever seen... Oh, I remember it well. Okay, yeah. so I, I actually think, considering 2011 is now 10 years ago, and even then they're talking about how they don't need friends, they need fans, and the, you know, the self-indulgent, vapid nature of social media and how narcissistic it makes people was really, really ahead of its time as far as a theme in a movie. Mm -hmm. I dare say almost as far ahead of its time as Scream 1 was uh, turning, the, you know, turning that genre on its head and making it a self-satire uh, in a way that still worked, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't think that the fourth one got really the, the play it that, it, that it could have because mm -hmm. it just it wasn't in at that time. That's Scream true. 1 was a perfect uh, right place, right time, mm -hmm. fit within the culture, uh, it was a phenomenon, mm. and I'm not sure if I really have faith that an, a, a fifth iteration of a film like this can really do that. Re it's I not going to. I thought they were done with it. That's what I thought. Well, but is, you got is this being marketed as Scream Five or a reboot? It's just called Scream. So uh, it's a reboot. It, no, 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 it's no, the same no. characters. It's a continuation, it, it's, but they're not mm. putting the numbers. Just anymore. like gotcha. with Halloween, okay. they mm -hmm. took the numbers away from it with the Jamie Lee Curtis continuation, mm -hmm. which pretends that everything after Halloween 2 never right. happened. Yeah. Right. But Wait. this one is pretending that it, it doesn't discount any of the previous films. Mm -hmm. I see. But I do love it how you said Scream is kind of satire um, towards like scary movies because I think it was either Scream 2 or 3 where in the beginning they have like this really hot girl and she's like talking to her girlfriend and like I think she was watching a scary movie and there's like a killer. Mm -hmm. I forgot who the actress was. But she was Sarah Michelle Geller in the second one. Thank you. Oh, okay. yes. Thank you. Um, basically, like she's watching a scary movie and then like her friend like hangs up the phone and she hears something. And like when yes, she was watching the movie, she's like naming all the cliches of scary movies mm -hmm. and she falls in the same cliche. Yeah, so I love it how you pointed out it was a satire. Yeah, it was brilliantly done in those films. <laughs> m far more nuanced than what you get out of most movies these days outside of like maybe foreign, uh, you know, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if it, it saw Train to Busan. Yes, uh, I did. And it's so sad. We were about to watch it downstairs, but I was like, it's too early to cry. And Brian, um, if you guys don't know who brian is brian is one of our co-workers on timcast and he was like dude it's like 11 15 almost 12 <laughs> it's, it's okay to cry <laughs> it's okay to cry um so i i one thing i do there's a couple of red flags that i see in this mm -hmm. movie already one is that it's got a two-person directing team i never trust films that I tend to not trust films that do uh, dual directors, meaning not like second unit director, but actual two uh, two directors listed. Do you have a IMDb 
pulled I up? Do. Uh, I got okay. it. Okay. Can you look up uh, Matt Bettinelli? It's, I don't recognize either of these directors. Yeah, neither do I. Matt Bettinelli, Olpin, and Tyler Gillett. So they're not mainstays in the industry. If I saw, you know. Uh, oh, Ready or Not. Uh, one of the, yeah, the first guy did Ready or Not. Okay. But anytime, anytime there's a two person team, it tends to mean that either the studio has more, con- you know, the, the studio has way more control over those properties, meaning that if one one director, one Artur director, who's got a, a lot of credits to his name, has a lot more say in what gets made mm-hmm. than some... It's why Marvel does this with new up-and-coming filmmakers, right? Mm-hmm. They hire relative unknowns because they're not being paid to make their movie. They're being paid to make Marvel's movie. So in a lot of ways, that's likely what we're going to do here. And it doesn't bring back Kevin Williamson as the as the writer he's only an executive producer which is that's a, like a joke whenever you watch trailers and they're like from the executive producer or from the producers of that mm-hmm. doesn't matter they right. didn't write it they're just put their money behind it that's true so right. without kevin williams some writing mm-hmm. and obviously there's no wes craven to direct because he is uh, no longer with us yeah. uh there's a lot to kind of be hesitant about but i would be interested to see if they manage to actually put together a movie and use one of these three main characters mm-hmm. as uh, as one of the bad guys, as Ghostface, because first of all, the, other than three, there's only been... Th- three is the only one where they had one killer rather than two yeah. uh, simultaneously. So do you do two of them turning against one character, or do you have one and then one new character as well? I don't mm. know. That's kind of weird. Unless like there's a plot twist where they bring back Jason... Or Freddy. <laughs> I don't know. I'm thinking like terrible ways to ruin this movie. <laughs> like a crossover? You want to yeah. kill it already. <laughs> I'm like, let's just kill it. We're done. There make, is- something, um, make something new. But I searched up Tyler Gillick for you. He's known for VHS 2012, Ready or Not 2019, and Books 2011. Yeah, so these guys work together. Okay. They've, they've created yeah. all these movies together. Okay. None of them right. are very good, but they, <laughs> yeah. they work together. You all know? right, well... I'm not particularly... It would be interesting if they made uh, Dewey and Gale the killers uh, and then Sydney the... And they actually get Sydney. Like, but that would be the last time they'd ever be able to make these movies, at least outside of completely... Re, uh, reimagining the franchise, which is not hard to believe in this mm-hmm. day and age, but right. this is interesting because this. Whenever we have these discussions about mm-hmm. strong uh, female characters in movies, uh, Sydney Prescott gets left off a lot of those lists. Everyone lists uh, Ripley from Alien. Sydney Prescott survived four serial killers, four mm-hmm. separate serial killers. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. That's true, but come on, Aliens. But- that's a good movie. So Maybe they should remake that one. They should not. Yeah. They should yeah. not. The Keep it Prome- where it is. Prometheus was a thing and should never have been made. Well, that's uh, true. Of course. Ha- hasn't Aliens already met Jason? Yeah. Uh, uh, no, they <laughs> did. First Predator. They did. Oh, okay. Predator. Freddy and Jason. Uh, and Predator and Aliens. Yes. Alien yeah. vs. Predator yeah. and Freddy vs. Jason. Yeah. But the Predator um, Predator versus Aliens, that movie was kind of stupid. Most of those types of movies don't. It was stupid because like they made an Alien Predator baby and like it started killing all the predators and then like the main actress uh she's like the only one that survived but she killed one of the predators and like the predator that was like left alone he's like i respect you let's kill these aliens and they worked <laughs> together and he left her alone he was like here have this thing of a jig now go <laughs> i but, don't i don't know I if mean, i ever saw that one the whole way through i think it was so bad like 20 minutes in i think i because you know, being not mm-hmm. oh, i mean i loved alien i, I was never a, I, mm-hmm. I loved the first predator i never really saw the second uh, or third ones, or I don't know how many. I watched a review, so that's why I summarize it okay. so quickly. The the first Predator is 
you know, one of the greatest movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the second, there's like people who like diehard fan bases for those sequels that, you know, like mm-hmm. people, some people just love the sequels of certain movies. That's just a mm-hmm. thing. But mm-hmm. I never really liked those ty- type of like crossovers. Well, know. Aliens had a really good moral. Save the cat. There you go. <laughs> That's yeah. all they taught me. <laughs> Save the go. cat. Don't care about human <laughs> beings or sideboards. But, but I got to mention that Jamie Lee Curtis has survived more than Sydney, right? Yeah. But she's only in the first I mean she's she's not really the main character of all the of the Halloweens after I've only seen the first and the second yeah. and then I saw the the recent she, awful reboot. She's she's in them it, it, she was in H2O. Oh yeah, in H2O. So uh, that's five. H2O is so awful. I love What's LL Cool J. H- but that's that's at least five movies and it spans how how many years? Like 40 years almost. Yeah. So, so the I fact mean, that she's still alive is, is very impressive. So the Scream Queens need more credit from the uh, yes. the strong independent women fan base that talk about how uh, about these things. Didn't Everyone lists canceled Ripley. that show Scream Queens. I thought it was canceled already. Scream Queens is just a general term for. No, it wasn't a. TV it was show? a TV show. Yeah, it was. Oh. I I never saw it. I, I saw the Scream TV show. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, I, I just... I think the marketing has been pretty good on this one. They've only mm-hmm. released one trailer. I get hesitant when they start to release multiple trailers. But there's just a lot of red flags in there. Plus, most of it is like you're just connected to something that you've known for like... this. The first Scream came out in 95. Mm-hmm. So, it's been part of you know just my kill, life for... <laughs> just kill mm-hmm. this movie. Like, just destroy it. No. I, I, like, I'm, I'm, I, I'm done with these remakes. Do something new. I'm like, these are in a weird place for me because I'm less emotionally connected to this than I am some other franchises. So if this gets ruined, it won't bother me the same way some other things will. Mm. But I don't see that necessarily mm-hmm. being what happens. But there are definitely red flags uh, mm-hmm. for, for what happens within the film. But a, but a white flag might be the fact that they're at least aware of the fans' mm-hmm. anticipation mm-hmm. of these three have survived. So at least, you know, one of them might be the killer. They might... Mm-hmm. There might be a, an opportunity for a three-way face-off of like you know yeah, murder. That would be that would be interesting. I know that would be interesting. Like, there's a way you can do it. There's definitely a way you can do it. And they yeah. won't do that. No, they. I can promise. It, there's no money in 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 yeah. doing because then they only get one movie out of it, likely. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and they're gonna want, if they want to continue. I mean, mm-hmm. everyone says they're not gonna keep going, but they always keep making the movies. Oh so. yeah, it's uh, you have to expect it at this point. So guaranteed. Yep. So. I, I I love that because it's like now going into the next one. I'm trying to like figure out like a way to order like the stuff we talk about. And like so now let's talk about Rebel Wilson. <laughs> let's talk about Rebel Wilson. Why this, doesn't somebody kill her? Uh, yeah, we don't know. Just, no, leave I was that trying Amy to, alone. I was trying to find a segue, folks. That was, I don't see, mean that. The segues are the hardest part. The segues are the hardest part. <laughs> Brett uh, just throws it at me, and I forget that we're doing segue. Yep. It's just like well, you can't just go like. And no, it, you know, right, right, yeah, right. it's very, it, it's an art form that I will, uh, that will take me many years to master, but. Oh uh, God, her diet's terrible. What do you mean? N- now? Just read, well, oh, the oh, diet, diet yeah, plan that yeah. she did. Okay. I'll tell you guys later okay. when All she right. finishes reading it. In one of our episodes, we talked about Adele. Yes. And I love this topic because this is people taking ownership of their actions mm-hmm. and their health. And yes. I love that. And I love the, the fact that they talk about personal responsibility mm-hmm. in, these, in these issues. And it's also just cool to see somebody change their life mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. So uh, this, uh, but when we were talking about Adele, we were talking about the fan base and the pushback she got from her own fans. Mm-hmm. This is on the topic of Hollywood and pushback on a character, you know, a woman who lost 
a good amount of weight and how it would affect her career. So it's mm-hmm. a pretty different perspective on the matter. And this is from People. And this says, Rebel Wilson says her team thought that her weight loss would affect her career as, quote, fat funny girl or f- funny fat girl. So like it, if that's not the most cynical thing you've ever heard i don't know you know what i mean like mm-hmm. isn't that extremely cynical to like that's your resume like on your like list of like uh skill sets it's like can play funny fat girl well her character literally on pitch perfect was fat yeah, amy that was literally her character her yeah. character's name and in the credits you'll see it it says fat amy yeah. and i yeah. love that character but yeah. these people are parasites i mean they're mm-hmm. essentially satanic people because they think in terms of marketing yeah they think that's in terms true. of branding so. exactly but but it's amazing to me that nobody told them that they're not allowed to say that anymore. Mm-hmm. Not nope. in woke Hollywood. So nope. mm-hmm. that that's really interesting that you got these people that think in terms of marketing and branding, and yet they're supposed to be you know uber woke, mm-hmm. and they didn't reconcile that. They just went with marketing and branding. The well, the I'm, branding is uh, it's almost like the branding hasn't caught up yet. Mm-hmm. Meaning that yeah. like uh, <laughs> the they're still market. She was still being marketed as 2015. Rebel Wilson, mm-hmm. she gets in in good shape, and now she has to be her her team is not quite caught up to her, and they're still trying to market her as pre uh, uh, Ghostbusters twenty sixteen Hollywood, uh, you know before everything went super woke, mm-hmm. uh, and this is completely different now. Now they don't realize that you can't say that anymore. You can't yeah. be fat, Amy. Mm-hmm. That's that's not allowed. So. Well, okay, I just have one complaint. Why is nobody complaining about Jonah Hill losing weight, but they're complaining about Adele and? Rebel Wilson losing weight. It's a double standard. Exactly. What happened? No, We're woke here. Dub- it's not a double standard. Women are beautiful. Mm-hmm. Men are not. Oh. Period. Yep. But come on. Women are at- attractive. Men aren't. That's all it comes down to. Attractive men are not even close to as attractive as like, on, the average looking woman. Come on. Thank you. Exactly. But look at Jonah Hill. He lost a lot of weight. It's because we can't wear makeup. Oh. <laughs> also, oh, yeah. There was I a- mean, we can. Also, <laughs> yeah, Jonah Hill. Everyone laughs at us. Jonah <laughs> Jonah Hill wasn't marketed always as the fa- I mean he was a bigger dude but he wasn't always playing a fat character That's per se. True. Well, he he's just a, a funny guy who happened to be fat. He got a start in mm. Superbad which was casting for a fat yeah. Jewish kid. Yeah. Well, okay. That looked like Seth Rogen as There's a, young a comedian kid. that said I think it was also David So <laughs> back to Again, David So. Standing for David So. <laughs> yeah, but he basically said like if a girl puts on makeup they still look pretty. Without makeup they're not pretty. But guys we're just born ugly. We yeah. can't fix it. It's not fixable. <laughs> There's nothing you can do. Yeah. Like you can you can cover it up a little bit, but for in general, you're not going to be able to pull off uh, what a woman can pull off. That's true. So the article, uh, it's interesting because it, ju- it does, it speaks to the cynicism of Hollywood and the cutthroat business aspect of it that they like to hide so uh, mm-hmm. so well. So it says, Rebel Wilson says she didn't have the full support of those around her when she began her health journey. During a recent interview with the BBC, the 41-year-old actress opened up about some of the negative responses she received when the be- at the beginning of her, quote, year of health, mainly due to her career as the, quote, funny fat girl on screen. Mm-hmm. I, and then it says, quote, it says, I got a lot of pushback from my own team, actually, here in Hollywood. When I said, okay, I'm going to do this year of health, I feel like I'm going to really, uh, I'm really going to physically transform and change my life, Wilson recounted. And they were like, why? Why would you want to do that? Because I was earning millions of dollars being the funny fat girl and being that person and being that person, she added. Last year the pitch perfect actress lost nearly eighty pounds. Though Wilson said she was a confident woman and loved herself before losing the weight, she knew deep down inside that her emotional eating habits weren't healthy. Mm-hmm. This is also interesting because we also hear these are from you know, this is People magazine. These are the same people who put out uh, healthy at any size. Yeah. And talk about how, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, which is mm-hmm. true. But that doesn't make it healthy. 
And there is a discussion to be had about whether it's just because you want to teach people, uh, train people, train people. You want to encourage people to love themselves mm-hmm. does not mean you encourage them to live unhealthily. Well, tell that to Tess Holiday. Like she's promoting people to be morbidly obese and she's telling them you're beautiful no matter what, which I agree. They're, like yeah. if you're comfortable how you are, you can be healthy. Well, not healthy. They're beautiful, you can, you can be but beautiful. it doesn't mean they're healthy. That's true. When your liver is like dying on you. Yeah. yeah it's time to lose weight. Yeah. No offense, women. But she can say that me and Chris cannot. No, I can't. No I'm going to get Canc- a lot. Canceled. <laughs> I'm going to get a lot of backlash. But for me, I'm like a curvy. I'm a curvy girl. Like I grew up fat. Like when I was a little kid, like legit, I was the fat kid. And like um, I you had were the rebel Wilson. Yeah, I was the rebel Wilson. Of in your like school. Well, were you funny? I tried to be, but okay. well, I tried to go. be, yeah, yeah. because, um, but it, I got bullied by adults in my life saying that I was too fat and I couldn't wear certain clothing. Well, what they should have been saying, mm-hmm. instead of saying that what they should have been doing is encouraging you mm-hmm. to make more healthy, make more well, healthy choices. Do you right? want to hear how my diet was when I was in elementary, legit sure. in elementary. So I had one apple, one wa- water bottle and one granola bar for lunch. That's it. Every day? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And you just, so it was just, bio, it's just part of your biology. You were just that way. Did yeah. you eat, was, did you eat differently at home? Um, at home, I tried, like, my grandmother noticed that I, like, I was getting bigger. So she, like, tried to make my portion size, like, a little bit smaller. But, like, other than that, like, my, my weight's been, like, on a yo-yo. Like, you know those yo-yo diets where, like, one diet doesn't work? And then like, you try another diet. It kind of works for a bit, and then it stops, and then you have to try a new Have one. you tried keto? Everybody <laughs> here at this house is on the keto diet. I'm drinking a keto-friendly energy drink, and I kind of like it. I, I kind of do, but, like, I'm getting a really bad headache because, like, again, yeah. like... E- even I've been doing like the just the meat and cheese lately, just mm-hmm. because like it's like it'll be late at night and I just don't want to go eat full food. Mm-hmm. So it's like, and, and as we know, I have the diet of a twelve-year-old. You I, do, and I get mad at you, I, and I, I try to force feed you a carrot once. Never gonna happen. Celery maybe. <laughs> force feed. Celery maybe. No, no, no carrots. I'm uh, like eat the goddamn yeah. carrot. But <laughs> if you do want to try Rebel Wilson's diet, her diet method it's called. Um, it's M A Y R. How do you pronounce that? Mm, um, M A Y R. How do you pronounce that? Sounds like Meyer. Meyer. Yeah. Meyer, so Meyer? I thought it was Meyer, but I didn't want to mispronounce it. So it's. I've never Ma- heard of this. What does it consist of? So basically, it started in the 1920s. It's a 14-day program where here's a list of rules what you're supposed to do on this diet. So it's six steps. Step one: chew each bite of food at least 60. Um, 40 to 60 times and then step two oh, eat your biggest meal early in the day so like breakfast you have to eat a really big meal step three stop eating as soon as you start feeling full step four eat only cook food after 3 p.m step five avoid drinking water with these meals step six stop eating after seven it sounds terrible. That's yeah. awful. <laughs> and it's a fourteen <laughs> and it's a fourteen day program. But to, for somebody like mm-hmm. me who puts zero thought into what I eat, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't do fast food or anything like that. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not crazy one way or the other. But mm-hmm. uh, that seems doable to me. And you know what? This could be totally made up off the top of my head. But I want to say that Kathy Bates did mm-hmm. the same diet at mm-hmm. a certain point and well, that's what did. caused her to drop mm-hmm. all that weight and mm-hmm. i remember her walking through i don't know if it's kathy bates i'm pretty sure it was mm-hmm. 
but she walked through every single one of those steps yeah and she was just like that was easy for me yeah because it's only 14 days and like the restrictions that you the food that you're allowed to eat on this diet so for fruits you can eat apples oranges bananas berries pears peaches and plums and then vegetables broccoli cabbage cauliflower kale and peppers and then mushrooms and then protein it's what i'm looking at is like salmon trout tofu turkey lamb beef and eggs my guess is that it's like very hard to keep the weight off then mm-hmm. like once you go yeah. off it then your weight's just gonna it's you have to have whole lifestyle changes this well, involves exercise mm-hmm. this involves uh good sleep schedule mm-hmm. waking up at the same time every day like, oh chris you're gonna hate not this easy. diet what? you're gonna hate this diet because you have to avoid caffeine Mm, that's really tough boycott that's really tough boycott (laughs) yeah you're not allowed to have coffee soda sports drinks or energy drinks so Mm. any caffeine related food or drinks you're not supposed to have it and same thing headaches alone would kill me yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) and then dairy products you you're supposed to avoid it and it's similar to keto where you avoid sugar products and gluten i mean that's probably the biggest part of it there just cutting mm. sugar and and carbs out of your out of your diet is uh but like, other than that like well I'm i just, i think the hardest mm. part of it is chewing everything 60 times 60 times i mean yeah. doesn't that slow down your whole meal that's yeah. probably the point well, I, I was that's, talking that's pretty smart i like that i was talking to my um boyfriend's mom because like she saw that i was eating really slow i i also had this habit when i was young too because like before i started eating with my left hand and started chewing my food slower because it helps like your stomach like digest like your food because naturally you're supposed to chew it until it's nice and small so Mm. your stomach can like digest it better yeah Yeah. you're supposed to but if you don't if you eat it like a normal human being food takes at least two days to digest in your stomach Mm. wow yeah so that's that's meat that's meat alone Wow. Just saying. I learned this from uh, food theory, but like... We've become th- a health podcast <laughs> in no time. Yeah. Soup. <laughs> I do want to... There's one yeah. more part in here that she goes right on about what you were talking about, yeah. about the double standard. It says... Uh, I'll, I'll skip over this part. It says, Wilson noted she received a lot of attention since making her transformation after previously feeling invisible. Mm. It says, quote, It's fascinating. Why are people so obsessed with women, in particularly in particular about their looks? The actress mm-hmm. added, I know when it, what it's like to be a woman who is essentially invisible to most people because, because of not being seen as traditionally beautiful or whatever. It's crazy to try and fit that. It's just better to try and be the healthiest version. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, some of that is like you're, in a, you're literally in a visually, in, uh, an industry that's about visuals. Like mm-hmm. we talk, I talk true. about that all the time. There's a reason comic book characters look the way they do. Mm-hmm. There's a reason actresses and actors look the way they do. It's a visual medium, mm-hmm. whether we like it or not. Y- People don't go to movies, whether men or women, they don't go there to look at average people. You can mm-hmm. do that. Uh, you can go walk down Main Street and see mm-hmm. average people. You go to movies to see a heightened, idealistic version of, of your society. That's kind of the way mm-hmm. the art works. Uh, I find that when I watch shows now with more, you know, if, I, if it's an, a movie about everyday people, sure. But if I'm watching a movie about superheroes or FBI agents or spies, I don't want to see spies that look like everybody. Even if it's more realistic, even if actual <laughs> spies look like normal people. I don't care. What if they mm-hmm. look like Kevin mm-hmm. Smith? 
I don't want spies that look like Kevin Smith. Hey, Damn he's it. dropped a lot of weight too. He did. <laughs> he did. Well, because he was gonna like they said like he would die if he didn't like because mm-hmm. of, of how bad his health was. Yeah, I heard that's. I and that's he became why. a pothead mm-hmm. thanks to Seth Rogen. He became. Yep. I, he became a pothead. He, yeah. he didn't smoke prior to Zach and Miri make a porno. I don't mm-hmm. buy that. <laughs> that's his claim, man. Maybe well, I, he's I, never I don't know. Pot, but also, I think it's funny how this article at the very end, like the other articles that they suggest, is a thousand pound sisters. Have you See, seen that show? Th- what? No. There's an obsession about these industry about weight. Mm-hmm. You know, it's crazy. Like, yeah. So let me fill you in with that show. So Thousand Pound Sisters is basically, I forgot what the other sister's name is, but the one of them is named Tammy, and basically she already has like, she can walk, but her sister, I believe, who's older than her, she's blind, like literally blind in one eye, and one of them is like a lazy eye too, and she can't walk, but Tammy can. And, like, Tammy's single, but her sister isn't. She's, like, married. And, like, they're trying to lose weight. They're but bo- they're not over a 1,000 pounds. They're combining both their weights. But they're false advertising. Say. Yeah. <laughs> they combine their weights because I was like, dude, are they actually a 1,000? And in the first episode, they're like, no, they're not a 1,000 pounds. We just combine both their weights because I believe they're over 600 pounds. Yeah. Both of them together. You want to talk about exploitative entertainment? Holy <laughs> crap! But I was watching the first episode and it made me laugh because literally Tammy opened a can of whipped cream. Like Tim has done this with um, his strawberries and berries, where he opens it and <laughs> sprays it like nonstop, and it made me laugh. I don't know why it made me laugh, but I thought it was so funny. She shouldn't be eating like that, but exploitative entertainment, yeah. super exploitative. Uh, well, reality I hope they're paid. I hope they're paid well. They well, are paid no, well, but in the meantime, they've got eight agents that are just like mm-hmm. you know having those conversations and you know these these poor mm-hmm. sisters are just like you know i think we need to get healthy and the agents just like like hell you are uh, yeah. <laughs> i need my commission <laughs> yeah. so you're gonna Break have to stay cream. you're gonna have to stay at that weight no but like legit in the first episode they try to get they try to get healthy so like basically both of the sisters were throwing out me and like her older sister who can't walk she was like so upset because like you know the long sausage thing where it's like ground beef she was like tammy was like I know okay. it well yeah tam you can buy this at walmart somewhere but tammy's like we need to throw this out and her sister's like no no no. can i just hold it can i just oh, hold God. it uh, wow yeah so depressing it it's is. really that's, that's bad. just depressing to mm-hmm. me but the dynamics of that mm-hmm. um that story was yeah. more interesting than i anticipated yeah, see? it is yeah. Yeah. So. and i i believe like um, Rebel Wilson is doing something really good for her health, and she looks good mm-hmm. how she is now. But she's genuinely talented too. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, so the fact, the, the claim that she is invisible. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't buy that. I, I that, don't buy that's that. That's why either. I id no. at that. Like, mm. mm-hmm. She is yeah. funny. She is talented. There's no way that she's invisible in a in a crowded room. Nope. Yeah. So, speaking of conversations that could have uh, be more nuanced than you expected, uh, I was uh, I've been talking a lot. We talked about Ghostbusters. Uh, we talked about a lot of these. I love the box office and all the stuff that comes with the financial side of it because it can be used to kind of gauge where these movie where the movie industry is going. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's you know it's a vastly different topic than what we were just covering, but I, I kind of wanted to break these up. But this is an article about Venom, uh, which uh, Venom Let There Be Carnage, which came out about a month ago. And it says, will Venom be the next Hollywood film with China trouble after the Eternals, Shang-Chi, and Black Widow? And that's because a lot of what we see in Hollywood now, it caters to China as a market, meaning that they, they include characters that they think Chinese audiences will want to see. They make movies with China in mind as a box office because it's the second largest box office next to the United States. There's a large amount of people, you know, just the population in China is like what? 
uh, 1.3 billion 1.3 oh my gosh you need mm-hmm. enough to have your head yeah. we need him as a co-host that's true <laughs> like he can just fact check yeah. well yeah but I, I worked for the epoch times for several years that's so true. okay <laughs> i learned everything there is to know oh about yeah China. we forgot to ask what's your background <laughs> how you got the job but it's okay yeah, now that, they know yes so uh, basically, a lot of these movie studios, it's why uh, there's always arguments happening about uh, LGBT, uh, LGBTQ representation in movies. Uh, we always promote it here in America, as we should, equality and everything like that. But in, when, they make, when they release these movies in China, those scenes are always suspiciously cut out of the film and they won you know so uh for all the virtue signaling hollywood does uh they always end up bending the knee to the chinese market and shang chi was in black widow and the eternals all marvel movies didn't have chinese releases this year that's uh, that's shocking to me shang chi yeah. didn't because they felt that it was uh overtly stereotypical mm-hmm. of uh of asians and with martial arts which oddly enough in america we would consider it racist be, uh, to not have them mm. uh, be martial artists because they say, you know, like when Danny Rand, uh, the character of Iron Fist, is a white martial artist, they're like, that's cultural appropriation. So we're just as weird here in America. I think you might have just cracked the woke code. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like, well, the, the code is that there literally is no sense to any of it. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. it's all self-indulgence. So, yep. uh, and then the Eternals didn't get its release because the director, Chloe Zhao, uh, she is a, she as a dissident from China. She escaped, she escaped, mm. uh, you know, China and, and lives here now and is critical of the CCP. So th- this article talks about Venom and I, I just think it's really interesting because all of this stuff, they're moving these markets now and they're trying to get away from China. So you're seeing them ca- like cater less and less. Uh, and the article says, yet another week has passed without any news of a release date for Sony's Venom Let There Be Carnage, which debuted number one stateside on October 1st. In China, rumors have quietly circulated that it may be due to two anti-China interviews that star Tom Hardy gave at the Cannes Film Festival back in 2012 while promoting the film Lawless. Ask, and I would, I would be love to know what they call like an anti-Chinese interview. It doesn't take much. Uh, does it, it say what he says? It does, I, I'm look, I, mean, I say, gotta know a, what he wait, says. Wait, does he say Xi Jinping looks like Winnie the Pooh? I don't think oh, he Oh, that's that. a big no-no. <laughs> My bad. Big no-no. It says, uh, asked at the film's press conference whether he saw Marlon Brando as an acting influence, Hardy admitted that he'd only ever seen one Brando movie, not The Godfather uh, he saw On the Waterfront or A Streetcar Named Desire, but one he described as The Tea Rising in Shanghai, the one where he played the Chinaman, to, to laughs from the audience. He was referring to the 1956 Japan set comedy The Tea House of the August Moon. So that was what's considered critical of China. Wow. Uh, Anti-China. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, wow. The film stars Brando in a yellow face as an Okinawan villager named Sakini and takes place during the 1945 U.S. occupation of Okinawa in the wake of World War II uh, in the wake of World War II, not China. It's uh, it's more enjoyable than you might imagine for a film from 1967, I believe. They're, yeah. You've they're surprisingly... Oh, yeah. I'm a, I'm a Brando completist. I've uh, seen everything Brando did. That's Including awesome. Tea House of the August Moon. That's awesome. <laughs> you, are, you are hired, my friend. You're, <laughs> you're done writing. You're coming to, you're coming to, to do yep. the podcast with us. So New host. It says, Hardy doubled down of his use of the term Chinaman in a subsequent interview with The Vulture, asked to confirm if he hadn't seen the Brando classics, Hardy reiterated, I've seen Shanghai China, uh, China, Shanghai Tea House of the Rising Sun or whatever it's called when he plays the Chinaman. <laughs> so 
Hardy just doesn't care. And also, yeah. it was like 2012, so it was probably a lot less like global sure, or a lot sure. less. You know, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he, he wasn't. He, he would be prevented from saying that now. Mm-hmm. Like he would be not allowed to say that by his handlers. Yeah. So it says, uh, "Ooh, breakfast at Tiffany's." I remember this. Mm-hmm. There you go. So, to me, this is one of these things where the they're, this all they're talking about is one interview where he kind of is slightly negative. Uh, about China and you lose your right to make movies there. That's how petty and grotesque I, I don't think it's yeah. political because mm-hmm. I know we need to, yeah. you know, say, we are staying yeah. to the pop yeah. culture but yeah. but that's that's literally how petty uh, that the CCP is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that's that's why they're a communist country. Didn't they try to, like, cancel Tim when they interviewed Lily Tang? Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah. But there was, like, um, I got a bunch of emails saying that some people couldn't find the podcast, like, mm. mid-scream because, like, it disappeared. Possible. For a couple of seconds and then reappeared. The other thing that's interesting about this is that you keep very little of your... Bo- why mm. I think it's weird that they care so much about the box office there because they keep almost none of the profits, meaning mm. that if, if you release a movie here in America, the studio splits it either 50-50 or 60-40 with the theaters, mm. right? They only keep 25% of what comes in from Chinese theaters. Mm. So on top of the censorship of the material, the fact that you have to market it to the Chinese audience, the fact that you only keep 25% of the profits there, and the fact that you're going to get at least some backlash from like the people like who talk about these issues, who talk about what's going on uh, with the camps over there. You know, you're going to get pushback mm-hmm. from people uh, but yet sports, I mean, it's a huge, everyone mm-hmm. knows that basketball, <clears throat> that basketball, that there is a lot of kowtowing to China. So it's weird how these, be, these, uh, a country that doesn't really hold our values, doesn't really, uh, have anything to do with the acting in the movies, holds such influence over how our movies are made, where, in where they're released. Cause the studio, whether they make the movie for China or not is now taking into account whether it can be sold there as a reason to make a movie. Mm-hmm. So two scripts land on a producer's desk. One looks like it would it would run well in China. One does not. They're going to go with one and not the other. Mm. Right? So I don't know. It, uh, the original Venom movie in, uh, two, earned $269 million in China. Mm-hmm. So it says uh, the original Venom film grossed $856 million worldwide in 2018. And 269 million of it uh, came from China. Mm-hmm. Wow. I just had a theory why it won't play in China because you remember the old woman that runs the convenience store? Mm-hmm. She's supposed to be Chinese. Okay. Well, I mean. So that, do you think that's the reason why? Well, Sorry, I'm just doing a speculation. But she was in the first one. And yeah. the, in the first one released in China. But she didn't talk that much. This one, she talked a lot. I mean. You've seen it already? We watched it yeah, together. You saw oh, okay. it. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. If Hardy's past, but but there's uh, the the theory here is that it's Hardy's past work that might have right. gotten it banned. But then mm-hmm. why wouldn't it have been banned in the first movie, mm-hmm. not the second? That's that's pretty interesting. I mean, well, two thoughts. First of all, um, if you want to have a really really black pilled moment, and yeah. I'm sure you would, Brett, uh, about uh, the future of movies given uh, the influence of China, the influence of big uh, companies like Amazon, read a, a book called The Big Picture by okay. Ben Fr- uh Ben Fritz. I had to look okay. it up to make sure that I got his name right. Tremendous book. And then he dedicates a chapter or two on China and okay. really deal, uh, delves into how studios are influenced by Chinese money mm-hmm. and uh, Chinese, uh, the Chinese government up to the extent of they edit scripts. 
yeah. Chinese government does edit mm-hmm. scripts and they'll mm-hmm. say you can't do that. You know, I mean, so you watch something like World War uh, World War Z and it's just like, oh, well, the Chinese uh, military came in and, and they were the heroes or mm-hmm. maybe it was World War Z. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, Dumb movie. That one. I watch a yeah. lot of like old mid 2000s television. Uh, I love old spy dramas and everything like that. And it's hilarious how often you get you would you tended to see like, uh, ch- you know, the CCP, like China as like a foe to the U.S. Mm-hmm. I- in uh, in these projects. Never. Mm-hmm. You never see them. It's always yeah. Russia. Always it's al- Russia. It's always the damn Russians uh, that, in the spy dramas now. It's, that made me so mad. I watched Nobody with yeah. uh, uh, Bob Odenkirk mm-hmm. yeah. on, on an airplane. I was yeah. just like, let me just tune out and mm-hmm. watch a movie. And it's just like Russia. It's always the, Russia, the, dude. The, John Wick. John Wick kills nothing but <laughs> Russians. Just always Russians. Uh, oh, my gosh. It, yeah, it kills Leave me. the beautiful Slavic men alone. Leave the... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So it, yeah. it's, just, it's it, not Russian. There, <laughs> oh, my other thought, if I, if I may, there is one person that I am really, I've always respected him, but my respect just skyrocketed mm-hmm. when he refused to kowtow to China. It was Quentin Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino. Yep. yep. He refused to cut out the Bruce Lee scenes yep. from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. He said, I don't care. I'm not going to recut my movie for China. I don't care what they're offering. I don't care what's on the table. I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think that it's because he has any kind of like political anti-CCP stance necessarily. Mm-hmm. Nope. I think that he, he just has integrity as an artist. He's just he an refuses. artist. He's just a weird artist mm-hmm. yeah. who, who's going to stick, who just happens to have a lot of power because of how successful just his movies have been. To. He came isn't in at he the close right time. with Bruce Lee too? He, like when he was still alive? Weren't they like close? I don't, I don't remember seeing that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that he had a very close relationship with his movies. Mm-hmm. I think that his movies he, were a big impact on him. Yep. Okay. It's, that's interesting because it's also Joker. They mm-hmm. they were going to mm-hmm. edit. Uh, they wanted to make edits on the film Joker, and mm-hmm. they and they instead of doing so, they kept they kept the movie as is, and it made over a billion dollars without a Chinese release. No kidding. Yep. Yeah. I did the, not know that. Mm-hmm. Huh. It did. Yep. Wow. So I still need to watch that movie. Yep. I mean, but it's like they like literally talk about in a lot of like the things that I watch. They talk about how movies like Shang uh, Shang Chi, uh, and like that's like made to be a Chinese release. Like you'd yeah. think that you know why why make it if mm-hmm. it's not going to get the Chinese release because Disney loves the Chinese, you of know, course. having them as an influence for their money. From what I understand now, the market is pushing away from there and they're pushing in mm-hmm. towards India as the new market yeah. for for films. So, I've read that. Yeah, yeah. but mm-hmm. also um, the actor for Shang Chi. Uh, Simu Lu, basically his family escaped from China and they moved to Canada. So yep. that's a, a, another factor too. That's probably why it didn't. Because mm-hmm. he's, I don't know, was he critical of China? No, he's not critical. But he did talk about this. Isn't another David So stand? But um, basically, when David So used to work for Just Kidding uh, News, they had. Um, Simu Lu on there as a guest mm-hmm. and he talked about it like his family escaped from China and just by talking Canada. about it that could have gotten him blacklisted yeah well, well no the CCP opened mm-hmm. their records yeah they pulled open their archives and they were just yeah. like oh yes I remember him I yeah remember the Lu family. family yep the Lu family exactly no more right I'm not even kidding be gone with operate. your movies uh-huh yeah. you're no longer allowed but it's funny because just kidding news like when they were First, as Just Kidding Films, they talked about their stats. A lot of their stats came from China. They actually watched them, and they loved them. And they wow. made fun of the CCP a lot. Hmm. Because um, one of the co-founders, Bart Kwan, his family escaped from China, too. Hmm. Like, his um, his mom is incredibly intelligent. Like, I believe, like, she... I think she started her own business. I don't remember. And, her, and his dad was, like, a poker dealer, like how my grandfather was. But they're not really big fans of the... Um, Chinese government yeah like the mm. mom still practice like Taoism 
Hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. that's not allowed. Yeah, it's not allowed. And yeah. she's like very Buddhist. And like, um, I think he mentioned it once, but they did mention their stats. Like a lot of people from China love their um, content. Hmm. So it's kind of weird yeah. because he was on the show and the CCP loves watching them. Wow. This is like a weird topic mm-hmm. because this is like, I don't, we don't want this to be a political issue, right? I don't yeah. care about the politics of it, but it is inherently related to the entertainment industry because they're so linked now. So it's like, you have to find a middle ground, right? I don't care about China as a government. I care about how it's affecting, how our movies are getting made. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's affecting the way that these industries, which have meant so much to so many of us, you know, I grew up, movies were escapism for me, they, a big part of my childhood. And now you see that the way movies are being made are changing because of outside influences mm-hmm. it's both pop culture and something else mm-hmm. and that's that to me is both interesting but also a little bit terrifying but it's the delusion of the the uh, disillusion of art like we're not mm-hmm. a culture that appreciates art not mass-produced all, art now yeah exactly i mean and not every movie has to be art nope. you know i mean it's not some hallowed thing that we all aspire to like there has to be escapism and i'm not necessarily sure that all of escapism is art but we are a culture that does not understand or appreciate art right now and it's mm-hmm. really well it's it's really depressing mm-hmm. frankly it is true and also yeah. the art is just not what it, in my opinion mm. at least on the mass produced level maybe it's different for if we're talking like you can a, say it you can say art sucks <laughs> street level art might be fine but when it's coming to hollywood mass produced art i i don't think that it no, is no i disagree street level art sucks too okay well there you go so let's speaking of stuff that uh, art that sucks let's talk about this uh, remember this topic from the other day uh, uh santa inc no. Who remembers Santa Inc.? No. Uh, Burn it. I wanted to talk about it because you can see right here, it has a 4%. Uh, it's actually raised a whole percent point on uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. Everyone in this room, uh, in this table has seen it. And everyone here holds what I would assume is the same general opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think of it, Chris? Well, I was trying to pull up uh, my exact thought on this. <laughs> I, I did watch that, that trailer. Yeah. I, I didn't realize it was a series. I thought it was a movie. It's no. a series. It's an eight-episode series, and yep. I watched the whole thing, and I fell asleep twice. They stretched because it out for eight episodes? Eight episodes. Yep, and yeah. it ended on a cliffhanger, so they might have a season two, but if they do, I'm just going to throw the whole TV out. Well, we're already in hell, so that doesn't surprise exactly. me. Well, the first thing that I thought of when I, when I watched the trailer, I thought of a quote from uh, Ibram X. Kendi. And I wanted to retrofit that quote, just changing out a few words okay. to kind of uh, explain, express how I felt about what I just watched. So I'm going to give you the quote. Mm-hmm. What's the problem with being not funny? It is a claim that signifies neutrality. I'm not funny, but neither am I aggressively against funny. But there's no neutrality in the funny struggle. The opposite <laughs> of funny is not, isn't not funny. It is anti-funny. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. They, they have imbibed the woke uh, agenda to the extent to where... They have actually embraced anti-funny. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, it's a—it's uh, not just that it's not funny; it's that it's intentionally mean-spirited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's mm-hmm. the way I, I like to write it. It's cynical. Mm-hmm. It's purposely, un- almost to the point of like, there's very, there's no joy in this anywhere. Mm-hmm. And the reason I want to talk about it is because I found this other article, and this is. Uh, why It's a Wonderful Life is still the greatest Christmas movie ever, 75 years on. Mm-hmm. First of all, I'm just amazed that that's even allowed to be talked about now because anything that old is usually considered uh, bad now. It's mm-hmm. some or a type, classic. 
No, no, everything that old is considered bad, as in it's some type of like, uh, it's, because it's part of America's past, and America's past is inherently bad, and that goes with art too to a lot of to a lot of these sites that report on this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's uh, what, what what's the song, the Christmas song that they always cancel? Cold um, outside. It's, uh, yeah, baby, oh, it's cold, cold baby, it's cold with, outside. Um, Lady Gaga and that one late singer. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, they had their own version. Their own version. They okay. had their own version, and I thought it was really sweet because if you saw an interview with Lady Gaga where she talks about that singer, legit, um, his last performance, live performance, um, because he has, um, he has early stages of Alzheimer's, so he doesn't mm-hmm. remember a lot of things. But when that song played and he saw Lady Gaga, he was like, "My friend, Lady Gaga." On live stage, that made her cry because that's the first time he ever called her Lady Gaga. And they said something in his brain, like, started remembering hmm. her because, like, his whole life was just singing. So that's why that song is, like, so, like, meaningful to me because, like, it helps an old man remember who he is. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Not, I mean, that's way off topic, but that's really, <laughs> really, really, really interesting. I didn't know that. I, Fun I didn't facts and miracle. Well, the, well the, if you preserve these cultural, you know, uh, songs and movies and stuff then they actually serve a general uh, i mean a mm-hmm. genuine purpose that's, exactly. that's healing mm-hmm. and good and joyful which yeah. is the opposite of the kind of stuff that you're seeing in santa yes. but i do have a quick question um it's a wonderful life is it the movie quote where they said every time a bell rings an angel yeah. rings okay thank you yeah that's the one yes uh, so this this article and that's literally the start of the article. It says <laughs> every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. It's one of the most famous lines I think from a movie any time. Says Caroline Grimes, who played uh, young Zuzu Bailey, the little girl who said the line 75 years ago in Frank Capra's enduring festive classic, "It's a Wonderful Life." Grimes is talking to fandom on the 75th anniversary, and the angel getting his wings upon the ring of this particular bell in this scene is Clarence. The wingless trainee guardian from the heaven, uh, from heaven, sent to Earth to save James Stewart's innately good but desperate George Bailey from taking his own life. Aww. It's it's deep, and it's in like it takes deep themes and it makes it about hope and it makes it about what a magical experience that time of year is, right? And there's deep seated. Uh, connections to the actual human experience there like things we've all felt desperation sadness grief Mm -hmm. all these things that movies are supposed to embody now granted these are two different genres uh santa inc (laughs) and it's a wonderful life but there's but exactly they're connected to christmas Mm -hmm. which is supposed to be about hope and it's supposed to be about connection with family and all Mm -hmm. these things it's inherently not a cynical holiday Everyone loves Christmas. There's a Just Some Guy video yesterday where he's like, everyone likes Christmas. Even non-Christians like Christmas. Because he's like, Jewish people like Christmas. Everyone likes Christmas. It's, it's not something you just don't like. Because it mm-hmm. brings something inside of us that we... Because, like, a great message about Christmas, it, like, even though, like, you don't celebrate it, it brings, like, a kind of warm fuzzy feeling in you and like every time december comes around everybody feels happier do you notice that absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah like christmas brings that out of people and that's why i'm so offended by santa inc and it shouldn't be a thing like i just hate that whole show i hate the main character she shouldn't exist (laughs) i i I hesitate to say it shouldn't be a thing i I think they're allowed to create whatever they want i think that you're ruining your target market and you're not you don't really Mm. understand the purpose of the genre there's one thing that a lot of videos talk about there is probably no more emotionally manipulative genre than christmas movies Mm -hmm. anyone who's been forced to sit through a, a hallmark movie uh, understands that those are extreme. It's it, it's like their own personal Pixar but formula. Come on. Mm-hmm. It's emotionally manipulative, but 
we look for that that time mm-hmm. of year because it really does like those genres are supposed to connect with you but on come a come on don't you get excited when you see charlie brown's christmas yes i do I he has do. a charlie brown christmas tree now oh you do yep, yeah. sent it, my, my friend sent it to me and I, I put <laughs> nice. it up in my room yes uh the, i love jingle all the way i mm-hmm. love just watch it yesterday. i love the santa yeah. claus i love mm-hmm. miracle on 34th street mm-hmm. i love christmas movies yeah uh and so to see something like santa inc which is purposely mean-spirited and has very little connection with anything that Christmas is actually about. It's just about swearing. It's about being mean-spirited and rude to one another. And stereotypes. And and it stereotypes every single character there in a way that is unflattering to everybody. Mm -hmm. And like the worst kind of art, it has an agenda. Exactly. And and that's like, that part to me doesn't even like... I would have done like even if there wasn't like the jokes about uh, about you know anti marriage jokes anti uh, like jokes about abortion and stuff like that which are all awful mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but if there was no if there was none of that and it was just people being crass rude loud uh, you know uh, fart in, you know that type of humor which I personally don't like mm-hmm. but it just it's done with such little attempt to be it's so tone deaf mm-hmm. meaning that there's no nuance to it at all mm-hmm. like i think the example is like if there was one character like that if the movie if the show had one character that was like that and it's played across as like kind of a backdrop to you know mm-hmm. it contrast the rest of the characters mm-hmm. that would be one thing mm-hmm. but everyone's like that there's no personality it's just awful you know they could have done this right um have you watched this netflix show it's a portuguese TV show and it's called No One's Watching and everybody's like a redhead and they're angels Mm-mm. and they so is it Christmas related? No, it's not okay. Christmas okay. <laughs> related, but it's very religious related. Yeah. So basically, like they're guardian angels. They're not supposed to like change your outcome, but they do like touch little things. Like so, for example, um, if I had a guardian angel, it would tap like maybe my water bottle and the and then it changes my luck. That's their whole job. And they could have done that. Like, their whole job is, like, doing little things. And they do talk about political things where, like, their whole job is a joke because nobody's watching them. They're only mm-hmm. doing stuff because they're told to do it. Okay. So, Sienna Inc. could have done the same thing where they they could have said, like, oh, um, Christmas is actually, like, a ruse because, like, Santa doesn't care about you. Yeah. He just wants, the, he just wants like, a better face for himself. Like, he yeah. doesn't care about, like... um political things like how we are now they could have done it right but i just don't like sarah silverman because legit in one of her videos she said if you're a comedian today you shouldn't make racist jokes or like make anti-feminist jokes but she started her career like that so i feel like she's a hypocrite and that's why i hate her as a comedian the example is always given is mm-hmm. like that's it's called pulling the ladder up behind you. Yeah, right. You're right. allowed to make those jokes, and you've made your money now. Mm-hmm. You've gotten your status in society. Now you pull the ladder up behind you. Mm-hmm. Seth Rogen literally made comments. He says, "I'm actively trying to make movies with less white men." Yeah, and, uh, which makes me roll my eyes to no end. Like, like mm-hmm. I said, I hate that these things are connected. Yeah, yeah. but it's like th- just that is so cynical. Right. And so mean spirited and so driven by, you mm-hmm. know, ideology. I hate it. Yeah. And I don't want people with that type of personality to try and tell me what a Christmas movie is supposed to be about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's so true. Like pulling together uh, components of what both of you were saying, you're just like, well, mm-hmm. if it was one character that was the problem, you mm-hmm. know, and it, and, and it was like, 
and that's like the Christmas Carol yeah. model, right? And that's why I love a movie like Scrooged mm -hmm. so much, you know? I mean, you get to see the cynical jerk, mm -hmm. and then you also get to see all of the Christmas spirit that he is declining mm -hmm. and refusing to participate in. Yeah. And then at the end, you see the transformation, mm -hmm. you know? I mean, I, that's, I love that. And I mean, and mm -hmm. the same thing happens in It's a Wonderful Life, yeah. essentially. You, yeah. And you would need a level of understanding of the, like, there is no change by the end of Sin Inc., no. Everything is the same. I really wanted her to get punched in the face or got run over, but she didn't. Somebody else did. And I was really disappointed. I was like, why did you do that to Junior? Don't do that no, to Junior. No character changes? The nope. protagonist no. doesn't change? Nope, she doesn't. She got upset at Santa because Santa gave her a good answer why she wasn't chosen as the first female Santa. He said, it's because you don't like children. Children can feel that you're uncomfortable with them. That's why I did not choose you, but I'm offering you a better job. And she did not accept it she basically flipped santa off and said f you to hell so nothing is learned That's horrible nothing yeah. changes the cynicism that was there in the beginning is there at the end no lessons are learned mm -hmm. and you wonder why people reject this type of entertainment beyond just the crass nature of the jokes like rude jokes don't bother me mm -hmm. I, I don't care about that right. i care about the fact that it doesn't work within the genre and that it just comes off as mean it, south park can tell crass jokes in a mm -hmm. way that somehow oh manages to make both sides uh, feel like they can take take a joke and move on but there's none of that mm -hmm. here but it has a dramatic trajectory like yeah, if, you don't have, if you don't have three acts, you don't have a dramatic trajectory, then yeah. there's no reason to watch it. Yeah. Exactly. Like South Park, they do make fun of Christmas. Like they have like those uh, highly Christian um, forest animals where they're actually yeah. praising sa uh, Satan. Yeah. But they're like, we're doing it for the great of Lord Jesus Christ. But then like they have like a weird orgy and like cut themselves open. Like I thought that was funny because it's like very Christmas-like. Like they're cute little animals and then they do those. And I'm like, what is happening? They could have done something like that, but the, they didn't. The one thing that made me laugh in that whole show was the mm -hmm. taser that was like Christmas lights. That was like the only thing that made me giggle even the slightest bit. You didn't see the baby chasing his babysitter with scissors. I thought that was funny. I yeah. was like, that baby is my favorite character. Like, I didn't like her mom because her mom hated her. Like, legit, she said, I hate you, and I wish I never gave birth yeah. to you. Yeah, there's anti, like, there's mm -hmm. all sorts of weird, like, like anti-parenting messages. Mm -hmm. Like, kids are, don't have kids. They're going to ruin your life. All yeah. this stuff. On a Christmas movie. Yeah. A Christmas show. That's well, so they could, bizarre. I feel like they, if they did want to write the whole TV show like that where they're like I hate you but then like they had that third act where like she says no I actually love you but no yeah. like the mom didn't yeah. learn anything she still favors the pothead son yeah. and like basically her whole family screwed her over they so in sorry if you want to watch more of it but I don't recommend it not but gonna in, happen I thought you've seen it I thought you've seen it. that's why no, I picked this topic I thought you said did no. you watch the trailer the, whole thing? Was, the trailer was enough for okay. me no, no so episode 7 basically they had a pool where um they want to see who's going to be the next Santa. Her whole family betted against her and voted for the fat white guy. Yeah. And like basically when they announced the fat white guy was Santa, they, her whole family became millionaires because everybody voted for her. Yeah. And her family was like the only smart one. Like her grandfather said, ha, bitch, I put my whole life savings into this. Now I'm wow. a millionaire. And they robbed her too at the end. 
there's one more part here that I just want to add about mm-hmm. this because it speaks to what we were talking about, the disposability of entertainment, right? Yeah. So it says, this is a quote from the actress who was in the movie uh, that they were talking about ab- above. She played, uh, what did they say? What was the character she played? She, Carolyn Grimes, she played Zuzu Bailey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it says, I feel honored, says Grimes. I feel privileged that I was chosen to be that little girl in the movie. It was an absolute blessing in my life because I have been living It's a Wonderful Life since. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is there anything about Santa Inc., that's going to make an actor or an actress in that movie feel that way 75, like 75 years later. No. No, unless you like looking at lady reindeers with antlers who are super yoke. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing meaningful behind yeah. stuff like this. And that wouldn't bother me if it wasn't for the fact that these types of things are now like, who's marketing? This? Who was it for? That's what I want to know. Who in the marketing department decided that this was something good that people were going to want to mm-hmm. watch? The score bears out that that's not true, that that's true mm-hmm. that it's not, mm-hmm. that nobody wants to see stuff like this. And nobody's to say that they shouldn't make this stuff, but they deserve to take the L mm-hmm. and admit that what you made goes against what people want to see. People are looking for just the slightest bit, just the slightest bit of actual, genuine uh, emotion in these things and Mm -hmm. reject cynicism and reject the negativity. Mm -hmm. If for no other reason, then it's Christmas. Yeah, that's true. And also speaking about like Seth Rogen not wanting to hire like white men, there's past two two days straight, there's articles of him claiming that white supremacists are reviewing Santa Inc. just to make it low scoring. You know, uh, he said that there was tens of thousands of them, which proves to you how delusional mm-hmm. uh, that that is anyways. So that's the thing the people mm-hmm. that are making stuff like this. They're they're so out of touch. I mean, they're so dizzy and lightheaded off mm-hmm. of, you know, huffing the smell of their own flatulence. Yep. Yeah. They don't have any they don't they don't have any sense of what it means to create meaningful artwork. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, and, and that's what it's a wonderful life is. You know? Exa- exactly. It's art. Yeah, it's actual it art. Is. It is because it's, it's meaningful. There's a dramatic trajectory. Mm-hmm. The protagonist changes at the end. And it's and it it conjures up genuine emotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I want I will throw this one thing out here because um have you seen, when was the last time you saw it? It's a Wonderful Life? Uh, a couple years ago. I it's never been a few watched. Years. It. Never watched it. Uh, I watched it about a week ago, and yeah. it, it's, it's so magical. And I was just I told my wife I was just like you got to watch this. She's allergic to black and white movies. Yeah. And I was like I'll get, I'll get a colorized version. There's a colorized version. On Is there that. actually? Yeah, oh, on Amazon. So oh wow. You know, so I was just like okay, we'll sit down and watch mm-hmm. it. As soon as it starts, it's this colorized ringing bell. She was just like, "I'm not going to watch this." Oh, <laughs> so, but but there's a to get solution. To watch Citizen Kane. Uh, oh, that's not going to happen. No. I've tried many times being a mm-hmm. journalist. Um, but I I will throw something out here for anybody that's allergic to black and white movies. There's a Christmas gem that was made in 2000. A lot of uh, this movie does not get the attention that it deserves, but mm-hmm. it is a modern day remake of It's a Wonderful Life, mm-hmm. and you get to experience a character go. I mean, literally from zero to a hundred, from mm-hmm. the most cynical awful worthless person to a yeah. person that really embraces life and it takes mm-hmm. place during christmas and it's so amazing and, and the performance is so compelling from everybody but especially the main guy mm-hmm. the family man with nicholas cage oh wow Aww. have you seen this i i haven't i know what it is nobody has seen this i know movie. what it is and it is one it, you will be in tears by the end of this movie i watch it every year i'm always in tears it's one of the most emotionally arresting christmas movies of all time it it, it is an instant classic mm-hmm. it needs Excellent. more attention you have to see it we wait watch is it, it actually a good Nicolas Cage movie you know how he is as an actor he, he wasn't yeah. desperate for money in 2000 so. that's right yeah. that's right no this is I mean it's it, it just it sweeps you away it's mm-hmm. amazing we're gonna have to watch it yeah we have you to watch have it together to watch it's, family done, man. it's done streaming 
I'm not sure, but I, I got Here. a DVD. Well, <laughs> bring it in. To, uh, I will. House uh, uh, work Christmas uh, Christmas party. We'll all Let's watch it. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm down. Yeah. Let me see if it's actually on a streaming service it probably, right now. It, it probably is. You might have to pay for it, you know, but I'm sure it's somewhere. Um, early. So it's actually a 2000 movie. Exactly 2000. Yeah. And it's a two hour and five minute movie. Chris knows his stuff. Yep. Yeah. Um, let me see if we can watch it on some streaming service. Uh, you have Amazon Prime. Yes, yep. you do. Um, there's also you can pay for it. I mean, not pay, rent it for three ninety nine on YouTube. All right. Well, let, let me just tell you the premise real quick, yeah. as briefly as possible. So mm -hmm. he is a corporate executive scumbag in New York City, living the best life, amazing apartment, has everything that he wants. Mm -hmm. But all of a sudden, he gets a call from his old sweetheart. You know, like on Christmas Eve when mm -hmm. he's working to death. Yeah. And he, and you know, he's just like, I think he slept with some woman that doesn't even care anything about, just living the most like decadent, worthless, meaningless life. But mm -hmm. he's got all the money that he could ask for, the best life that he could yeah. ask for in terms of you know. Uh, lifestyle or whatever mm -hmm. and then that that call from his ex-girlfriend that he missed got into his head and then he goes to sleep and he wakes up mm -hmm. and he's in this like awful house in jersey and okay. he's married to his ex and he's got three kids and he's oh, like i love this, this is not movies. my life this yeah. is not my life these are not my kids this is not my wife and you slowly this guy that is just like literally just like mm -hmm. i hate everything about my life and he thinks he's in a nightmare starts to understand that he's in a dream yeah. he's in a dream that he never realized that he could have had it's mm -hmm. just so great there you go Dude, i amazing. love those kind of movies yeah. because it kind of like basically like i feel like humans actually have like that experience too yes. where like you, yes. basically you dream about how your life would be if you chose another way mm -hmm. basically it's like pick your own adventure the road not mm -hmm. traveled yes yeah. oh yeah. man but it's so well done mm -hmm. we gotta watch it mm -hmm. Life is a simulation. Simulation theory. <laughs> simulation theory. <laughs> yeah, but also you can watch it on a um, AMC for free. Okay. Right on. Mm -hmm. right. That's amazing. Great news. Well, dude, that was awesome. Yeah. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Like, that whole discussion yeah, was a lot of fun. Like, yeah. uh, now we have to watch that movie. We uh, have to watch it so gonna... I can forget about Santa Inc. and yeah. stop ranting. <laughs> it's a great palate <laughs> cleanser, I promise. There you go. So, <laughs> because I'm still scarred by Santa Inc. Yep. Yeah. I hate you. Yep. Mm -hmm. Well, the videos are still coming out about it, too. Like, on YouTube, like, every other video that I get recommended is somebody talking about. It's usually, they're more talking about, like, Seth Rogen's response yeah but it's like in general nobody liked that movie or that well, show so it's terrible like they don't teach you like it doesn't make you feel happy inside mm -hmm. it makes you like hate the world there's yeah well they mm -hmm. want that they, that's mm -hmm. exactly what they're going for unfortunately Sarah Silverman is terrible she's terrible <laughs> I hate her <laughs> she's very anti-semitic <laughs> I think that was a fantastic topic to end on <laughs> It's just me, like, growling, like, I hate you. If Miracle's growling, it's time to call it a day, I think, so. Agreed. <laughs> that, Chris, that was a lot of fun. Hey, yeah. I hope you have me back. I'm Dude, happy to come on anytime. Of, like, uh, why don't, uh, tell people your social media. Uh, ChrisCar17 on Twitter, uh, mm -hmm. because I'm the 17th Chris Carr. Aw. Yeah. There's, there's 17 before, 16 before you. 16 imposters. Oh, wow. I'm the real one. Mm -hmm. And where can they find your articles? Uh, Timcast.com. Go straight to the website. Uh, the, the, the featured articles are going to show up on the main page. But if you want to comb through the articles, go to uh, just click on the read button mm -hmm. and you can read all the amazing work that our awesome rock star journalists are doing Excellent. every day. Also, you can search up his name on the search bar if you want to look for articles just like Chris Carr. Yeah. Miracle, why don't you share everyone your social media that you have? You know, I don't have social media because it, social media is poison for your brain. She's she's absolutely right mm -hmm. about that. Chris. Right on. Uh, my social media is on YouTube, and you can search for Reactor if you want to see my weird videos. 
We we love we love the weird videos. I mm-hmm. I really want you to like make a Christmas special, like a better one. No, better uh, one than I already did. <laughs> a better one that you already did, and better than Santa Inc. And it's just you, like say I'm Santa, and it's just you wearing the reactor uniform. I actually uh I actually wanted to dress like Santa and mm-hmm. uh, manipulate children, but I don't know if it'll do well. On wait wait, YouTube. like when you say that, what do you mean, like? Like dress like Santa and mm-hmm. then tell kids to like get their parents' credit cards and, <laughs> oh, no. and read me the numbers. Oh my god, hi Jordan. Hi Jordan, Chris Carr. Hide your son. Hide him. Hide him. Okay. That's, uh, I want to they have Santa masks this year, which means we have officially entered uh, like an actual hellscape, like an actual mask <laughs> with like a big beard. Oh. So that is a uh, wait. Is it a white Santa? Because I know they're trying to erase white Santa. Just a mask. Just a mask with a beard. Oh. Just a Santa mask. Oh, that that's saddening. Very. It is. Well, guys, that is everything. If you want to follow the podcast, uh, you can find the full episodes on Amazon Music, on Apple, on Spotify, on what else now? Apple, Spotify. Uh, that's TikTok. all. Tic- no, that's that's social media. So it's Apple. <laughs> it's Spotify. Pandora. It's Pandora, and it's uh, in Amazon Music. If you want to follow us on social media, you can follow us on Twitter at Pop Culture underscore Show, and it's mm-hmm. also we're also on TikTok, yes. on Instagram, and on Boomerbook. That's Facebook for Boomers. Uh, at Pop Culture Crisis, mm-hmm. and you can find the clips on YouTube at C- Pop Culture Crisis, and watch the full episodes on the podcast. That's it for now, guys. Thank you. Bye.